chapter 15. For the rest of the day, she waited every time the door opened for it to be Gilmore or Lord Edgar's mother demanding her job. The way Gilmore had acted could lead to rumors. Perhaps Lord Edgar thought Gilmore was having a secret fling with her, or that he had designs on her. And that could go either way, making a high fay like Edgar think she was easy, or get offended that she hadn't chosen him. Neither was ideal. And Lord Gilmore, she had no idea what he would do. She'd physically yelled at him. Had he ever been yelled at in his entire life? Goddesses above and below. Later, one of the books a high fay needed wasn't at the front desk or in the stacks, so Casey ventured into Jerry's office, searching through his books, and found it stacked with two others off to one side of his chair. She grabbed it and then stopped at the side of the library's manual. It was thick and worn with multiple bookmarks littering its pages. She brought it to the front with her, sliding the other book to Lord Carroll. He disappeared without a word through the doors. She opened the manual and flipped through the front pages to find the index. The section on the Shadow Guardians had multiple page markers. Jerry's handwriting scribbled notes in the margin, half of which she couldn't read properly because the writing was either smudged or nonsensical. With each door opening, she grew tenser and tenser, her pointy shoulders climbing up almost to her ears. Haifei came in and out, but she handled each with the usual politeness. In between their visits and their demands, she slowly read the manual, searching for anything that might help her understand what had happened. She scribbled down the Shadow Guardian's code and stuck it in her apron when yet another high fay came in demanding to speak to Jerry. If only they would leave her alone, <laughs> maybe she could scour this manual from start to finish. The section on the archival safeguards was particularly perplexing. It was clearly impossible to take books out. There were too many things in place. There were spells to locate missing books, tagged by their title and author, additional spells layered into the stone and slate itself, each one hiding the security by embedding the mountain into the magic. In total, there were 15 general library protection spells and four specialized spells per book that would need to be worked around or destroyed. Most would require destruction. To remove each spell, each safety, that could take the work of a century. Was there a high fay who toiled in silence for a century just to take out a single book? She ate a cookie and thought hard on that. High fay were easily distracted from work. I mean, the only thing they were dedicated to was the success of their families and their mating habits. But with each spell, the library would, would react, so that wouldn't work. And it would feel different as its magic was unraveled from the inside out. Even Casey would notice a change of that magnitude. Another cookie, another question, another section of the manual read. She could probably read this book five times more all the way through and be no closer to an answer. A headache started to blossom behind her eyes. This day felt never ending. The weight of the secret might crush her and her anxiety over Lord Edgar and Gilmore was not helping. Her back nodded with the tension. It was almost dinner time when the doors finally opened to reveal Gilmore. He didn't step in, as if hesitating at her welcome. I'm closing up, Casey said with a sigh. She was tired of being responsible for other Faye's feelings. Did you get to rest, my lord? He walked in and looked around as if checking for an audience. Am I allowed in? <laughs> she laughed. 
You're the eldest son of the queen. Tell me where you aren't allowed in Underhill. I don't want to foist my presence on you, he replied. She ignored that. I'm leaving in a minute for dinner. Any word on Jerry? We're still looking, he replied. Gita checked the catacombs twice. We do think that the Fae was taken, but we still don't know who it was. Casey nodded. That meant it was a lower Fae. They were all expendable to the high Fae. Interchangeable, unremarkable, even their names forgotten as soon as they stopped breathing and resentment it smoldered inside of her. Gita's talked to Mother about changing the combination code. Good, she said, capping the inkwell and cleaning the quill tip carefully. Good night, my lord. I say one stupid thing, he said, his eyes flashing, and we're strangers again. She took her apron off, considering her words carefully. What was between them was that one artificial evening where a danger had bonded them. It was more than should ever happen between High Fay and Lower Fay. She walked until she was parallel with him, facing the doors as he turned to face her profile. Strangers, she asked. Not strangers, perhaps co-workers. I had been hoping for something else. His whispered words threaded warm and cold through her body like gusts of wind, cooling and warming her in turns. There, there is nothing else, she said. She strode out the door and shut it. It locked behind her. She leaned against it and took deep gulps of air. When she felt calmer, she hurried through the halls that twisted and turned through the mountain's core towards the outer edges. Tonight there was a star fall, and she'd be damned if she didn't need the feel of starlight tumbling against her skin. Something that wasn't twisted lust for an arrogant hyphae who could never be anything what she wanted, couldn't be partner, friend, and lover. There was a reason Faye stuck to their own kind. She found herself outside the dining room before she even realized it. Her skin chilled. That could have been exactly how that lower Faye had been missing. Distraction, even a few moments of it, could cost her everything. Ghostly laughter echoed behind her, and she looked over her shoulder. Was Underhill messing with her? The dining room doors opened, and she hurried in, skin prickling. The room itself was loud and bustling, the warmth of the kitchen spilling over into the room, crowded with tables, benches, and bodies. She pushed through the table, swatting away hands that reached out to pinch her butt. The second hand, she singed with her power. She almost never let her temper get away from that. She slid in next to Iona, bumping her. Oh, sorry. It's okay, Iona replied, wrapping an arm around Casey's shoulders and squeezing her. I missed you, too. <laughs> I saw you at breakfast. Casey laughed, her skin warming from the contact. She leaned into her friend. She needed this normalcy, this love. You know me, Iona replied. Any hour away from you is too long. Did you hear that? Casey asked the twins across from her. I'm going to steal her away from you. For the next hour, she could pretend like nothing was wrong, like she wasn't crumbling under stress from all directions, and she needed that. Finbar elbowed Farrell, who rolled his eyes. Talk turned to the story on everyone's lips, the missing Fay. No one knew who it had been. Casey's heart sank for them. They probably wouldn't know until some family got word to the palace that their loved one had never returned. Or maybe that family would wonder if the bogs or the meadows or a night walker had taken them instead. Casey shoveled food into her mouth, focusing on that. She needed inane talk to set aside her strange day and find herself back with these fae.
these ridiculous, lovable fae. Iona with her two wild hand gestures and the dimple on her left cheek. Finbar and Feral with their incessant twin talk and the way they could read each other with just a single facial twitch. Ian is staring at you, Finbar whispered across the table. Casey didn't turn, but she tensed. So? So, Finbar replied, weren't you mooning over him last year? And then he left and I moved on, she replied. Well, you haven't had a good fling since then. Ugh, are you keeping track? She demanded, laughing to keep from snapping at him. What was with males and their need to watch her? Finbar made a face. No, just simple observation. Well, simply observe how fine I am by myself, she retorted, bumping Iona. They think we need a fling to be complete. Well, Finbar is just annoyed because Flower is now also seeing Sally, Feral replied. It's just good manners to let your fling know you have another fling happening, Finbar retorted. I don't actually care. They laughed and he scowled, crossing his arms across his chest. I don't. They laughed harder and thankfully the subject of Ian was dropped. Casey wondered, though, did she need a normal fling to work out some of her anxiety? Could the solution to this Gilmore problem be to physically move on and demand that her body forget that insane kiss? But would that be using Ian? She bit her lip as they cleaned up dinner, sneaking a look at the sprite. He sat with the other guards at a table, his muscled arms tensed. He was handsome, and she'd like the feel of his wings encasing them. But the memory of Gilmore's lips against hers and her his arms cradling her, it was too, still too strong. She looked away, setting her plate down. She settled her arm over Iona's shoulders. Iona had already grabbed a blanket, and they walked through the palace arm in arm. How's the library? Busy, Casey said inside. How are the high fae? Fine, Iona replied. Oh, I have a special invitation from Lady Prina to stay on as her lady's maid. That's great, Casey bumped their hips together. When did that happen? Today, Iona replied. What are you thinking? Are you going to take it? I think so. Iona worried her lip between her teeth. I'd get another inch. Which is great, Casey said. It is. But, Casey murmured, as they walked out of the palace and into the outer courtyards. They passed through the outer gate where High Face stood on guard. She kept her head tucked low and close to Iona's. But don't you ever wish there was more? Iona asked. <laughs> Casey laughed. Yeah, every day. Faye streamed down the path toward the outer meadows all around them. Finbar and Feral whispered behind them, and she could only catch every other word. Iona sighed longingly as the full meadow came into view. Starlight trickled down her shoulders and her hair, and she shivered, touched by pure magic. It made her tingle. They spread the blanket over the grass, snagging a spot close to the center of the round meadow for the best view. Iona lay on one end, Casey next to her, with Finbar at Casey's right, and Farrell as far from Iona as he could get. It was like he thought his physical distance could hide his true feelings. As if that could hide true love. Casey closed her eyes as the star fall began, letting the first few trickle on her eyelids. Then she watched as it sped until it was a shimmering veil over the velvet night sky. The stars entranced, looking like deep fire. The flickers and trails magical. So beautiful, Iona whispered. It is, Casey whispered back. 
The magic eased into her muscles, fizzing along her veins. The world started to gently spin. Shut up, you two, Fenbar whispered. No, you, Casey replied, the starlight loosening her tongue and sending a shiver cascading down her back. She felt like giggling and crying at the same time. Is my head floating? Farrell asked dreamily. I feel like it's floating. No, dummy, Finbar slurred. I could bathe in this every night. Iona's fingers waved in the dark between their faces and the stars. It was like being drunk in the best possible way. This feeling, this magic, this jolt of the universe's primal touch, it eased through Casey. Iona reached for her hand and they laced their fingers together. On her other side, Finbar took her other hand and they lay in the starlight, blissed beyond belief. The starfall lasted two hours, but those hours felt like minutes, and soon the sky receded back into normal velvety smoothness. The other stars brightened in degrees as they were no longer overshadowed by their falling counterparts. The meadow came alive with rustling bodies and whispering fae. They lay for another few minutes before Iona finally sat up. I hate these early mornings, Farrell grumbled. At least you're with hounds, Iona retorted. I've got prickly hyphae. Finbar groaned. They're the worst. Casey probably has the easiest of all of us with her quiet books. Casey feigned a smile she didn't feel and said, Books are surprisingly taciturn sometimes. Farrell shuddered theatrically. Not books. Casey punched him and changed the subject. What's our revel plan in a couple days? Anyone else up for skipping? I have to go, Farrell groaned. Mom is writing me hard. That sucks, Casey replied. She loved being able to skip revels. It was often the only time she had her bedroom to herself. Sometimes being lost in the mix of seven sisters gave her more leeway than the twins. Plus, the memory of Lord Edgar's too eager notice of her gave her chills, and she did not even want to think about Gilmore. Lord Gilmore. Or Ian, she remembered belatedly. Iona gathered up the blanket and they trudged through the forest that ringed the palace meadow. The exterior gate was open for the starfall watchers and they slipped through under the hooded gazes of other Haifei guards. Her friends chatted as they walked to their family's apartments. Two of her sisters were sewing. A third wove thistle to magically form cloth and the rest were missing. Casey took a quick bath and lay in bed, staring up at the slats of Cordelia's bed. Another day gone, and they were no closer to finding Jerry. She felt useless and helpless waiting for the high fae to do the investigating. The thought of another day without Jerry was, was wrong. Each day that passed was another day less likely that he'd ever return. Her stomach twisted into knots, and she tossed and turned for hours. <laughs>